You're listening to the Whitewater Church Podcast. We just want to say thanks so much for tuning in. And if you enjoy what you hear today, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. If you want to support what Whitewater is doing, you can go to whitewaterchurch.org slash give. Let's dive into this week's message together. There was a season in my uh, marriage where I would fail to shut the cupboards. And this annoyed my wife so much. Remember uh, one day walking in and um, the kitchen and Sarah walked into the other door and she's like, hey, sweetie, would you shut the cupboard, please? Just shut the cupboards when you're done using the cups. And I was like, of course, absolutely. I'm, so- I'm sorry I did that. Next day, I walk into the kitchen. Hey, sweetie, remember when I told you to shut the cupboard? I just need to come and practice this. Just shut the cupboard. And she literally took my hand. Shut the cupboard. And it almost sounds like she was swearing, shut the cupboard. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll get that. And, uh, you know, it was like next day or a day or two later, George, the cupboards are still open. <laughs> and it's from yesterday. And I've been waiting for you to shut these things. And you haven't shut. You don't even notice them. And I just walked up to him. And I was like, I'm sorry. Do you forgive me, though? I'm sorry for making you angry. And she's like, not right now. And what she was getting at is in that moment, she didn't feel like she didn't feel like I deserved it. And she didn't feel like my apology uh, that I really meant it. Uh, how do you forgive people <laughs> when maybe forgiveness isn't fair? Have you ever been in that place where you're like, I, I don't know if I can forgive you because I don't think you mean it. I don't think you deserve it. I'm frustrated about this. Or it can be on a really deep level and you're just like, I am not, cap- I don't have the capacity to deal with this. So how do we forgive when forgiveness isn't fair? And the thing is, forgiveness is never usually fair. Someone has to absorb hurt, pain, wrong, offense. And forgiveness isn't always like one and done. You have to choose to let go of something sometimes many times because pain and hurt sometimes have deep roots in our heart. The goal for this sermon is to help all of us let go of bitterness and to make peace in our relationships, especially in this season of our lives. The world is so polarized. Many of us might have friends or family that maybe we're at odds with, or maybe there's just there's discomfort because of maybe very different perspectives or things that we've said or typed or written or sent to each other. But let's talk, how do we become peacemakers in this time? I want to go through a story uh, about a Bible uh, character named Joseph. Um, Joseph is an incredible story. You can read uh, a huge portion of of the book of Genesis is devoted to Joseph's story. I want to encourage you to read through that. We won't have time to read through his whole story, but it's an incredible story. But if I were just just to give you a brief um, snapshot of the story to set up the scripture we're going to be looking at today, Joseph was a favored son. He was the favorite son of, of Jacob. And um, he uh, was so favored that it made his brothers jealous. Now, he had a, a lot of integrity. He was a hard worker. Um, and through his life, through the peaks and the valleys, the ups and downs, you see that like he walked with God through all of that. And God was with him the whole way through. But in his story, he, he's betrayed by his brothers was trafficked by his brothers into becoming a slave by selling him into slavery uh, into Egypt. After he was sold into slavery, he worked his way up into leadership 
as an Egyptian slave, only to be betrayed again by a lie that got him thrown into prison. And yet every step of the way in his life, God was with Joseph. Eventually, Joseph rose to great power in Egypt. He was only second to Pharaoh. There's a moment where his brothers, who sold him, trafficked him into slavery, his brothers come to Egypt during a great famine, and they are put at his mercy. But despite their betrayal and the injustice that he had absorbed with his life, Joseph does not take revenge on his brothers. He forgives them and welcomes his whole family to come live with him in Egypt. He's restored to his father, who was told that Joseph had died in the desert. He he was told that lie to cover up the betrayal by the brothers. But there's this lingering doubt in the story in Joseph's brothers' minds that Joseph might just be waiting for their father to die so that he can take his revenge on the brothers who have betrayed him and stole his life from him once their father is gone. Kind of like Michael Corleone with Vito in The Godfather. You know, if you read the Bible, you'll find out that the Bible is a pretty honest uh, portrayal of human, uh, human interaction and relationships. It doesn't sugarcoat things. So we're going to pick up the story here in Genesis chapter 50, starting in verse 15. When Joseph's brothers realized that their father was now dead, they said, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us and wants to pay us back seriously for all of the terrible things that we did to him? So they approached Joseph and said, your father gave orders before he died, telling us, this is what you should say to Joseph. They're saying, our dad told told us to come say this. Do you remember father? Remember what he would want? Please forgive your brother's sins and misdeeds, for they did terrible things to you. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of your father's God. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers wept too. They fell down in front of him and said, we are here as your slaves. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I God? You planned something bad for me, but God produced something good from it in order to save the lives of many people, just as he's doing today. Now, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. So he put them at ease and spoke reassuringly to them. So... For today's talk, I'd like to break down this passage into three sections to help us learn how to forgive when forgiveness isn't fair, so that we can make peace in this season of our life. In the first section, Genesis 50, verse 15, when Joseph's brothers realized that their father was now dead, they said, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us and wants to pay us back seriously for all of the terrible things we did to him? Notice that they said that Joseph might be carrying a grudge against us. Bearing a grudge is carrying a hurt for terrible things, awful things, hard things that people have done to you. Grudges about pain create divisions between family, between friends. And so revenge is paying people back, while forgiveness is releasing people from a debt. Well, revenge says hate for hate, hurt for hurt. Forgiveness, it doesn't recycle pain and anger and rage. It retires it. It extinguishes it. So when was the last time someone offended or hurt you? And are you still carrying that burden? 
What burdens are you carrying and what relationships has it divided in your life? And maybe you're someone who has hurt somebody. Maybe think about that. Who have you hurt and maybe not made peace with yet? Now let's look at the second section. So they approached Joseph and said, your father gave orders before he died, telling us, this is what you should say to Joseph. Please forgive your brother's sins and misdeeds, for they did terrible things to you. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of your father's God. Have you ever been around someone who can't admit that they did anything wrong? Maybe they are just asking uh, for some general form of forgiveness. Um, and they never make it specific, or they might say something like, like, we all did something wrong in this. We're all not proud of ourselves. And, um, maybe we can just all forgive each other. Man, if you've wronged someone, acknowledge it specifically and ask for forgiveness. If at all possible, ask them in person. You know, this conversation between Joseph and his brothers wasn't through text or email or messenger or some, or a homing pigeon. They did it the old-fashioned way, in person, face-to-face. Admitting the truth of what we have done helps us have like an actual heartfelt apology. People know that you mean what you say. It's not insincere. And when they sincerely apologized and acknowledged that they had done terrible things to him and ruined his life, Joseph wept when they spoke to him. I mean, this is painful. And his brothers wept too. And they fell down in front of him saying, we're, we're here as your slaves now. We're in your debt. We're slaves to the debt of the pain we've brought into your life. You know, when you're letting go of a hurt, a grudge, terrible thing that someone's done to you, said to you, spread about you, there will be pain. And it does bring up stuff that will be emotional. And, you know, tears aren't... Tears aren't always bad. Sometimes tears are healing. And I think in this moment, there's healing that's happening. There's expression of grief that that is healing of their relationship. Now, the third section teaches us some things about forgiveness and making peace. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I God? You planned something bad for me, but God produced something good from it in order to save the lives of many people, just as he's doing now. So in this moment, they see themselves as slaves in the debt of the pain they've caused to their brother Joseph. But Joseph in that moment doesn't do what they've done to him. He doesn't, he doesn't hurt them for hurting him. He doesn't enslave them or traffic them. How tempting would that have been with the pain he's been through? Joseph, uh, and he doesn't even treat them like slaves because they, they're saying like, we made you a slave. We're your slaves now. I mean, what a powerful moment. Joseph restores them as brothers, not as slaves. What an amazing moment. This is not normal in this culture. I don't think this is normal for humans. And in fact, Jesus shows us a different way to be human. He's uh, in a world that wants to go hate for hate, hurt for hurt, pain for pain. Jesus shows us the way of the cross, this way of exchanging uh, control and revenge and our plans and getting even for this way of of love and forgiveness and restoration. Joseph names those who hurt him. He tells the truth about his pain. Joseph said, you planned something bad for me. You turned me into a slave. 
but God has taken those plans for bad and he's produced something good. You, what you intended to create in me as a slave, God has raised me to the highest leader under Pharaoh. God has taken care of me. Joseph has the courage to name the pain, but also the faith and love to see what evil that has been planned for him. God produces good from it. You planned something bad for me, but God produced something good from it in order for the purpose of saving the lives of many people, just as he's doing today. God is using me in this position to save lives. God put Joseph in a position and gave him the gifts and skills to be able to realize a huge famine was coming across you know, the land and went, went, it spanned many countries. And Joseph was able to save enough food to save not just Egypt, but nations, whole groups of people. God used what was meant for evil and turned it to good. You know, in this moment, Joseph becomes a foreshadowing, like a figure that foreshadows Jesus. Betrayed by his own people, the cross was meant for evil, but God used the cross to save his people and many others for, for their good and God's glory. Joseph isn't condoning their actions. He's choosing to see God's good work in the brokenness and pain. Does Joseph have the power to take revenge on his brothers? Does Joseph have reason and maybe a right to take revenge on his brothers? Many would say yes. But Joseph chooses peace. He chooses forgiveness. Notice that he asks a question to his brother's underlying question. You know, they're really asking him, are you going to take revenge on us? We know we deserve it. But they're worried, like, please don't take revenge on us. Are you going to do that? And Joseph, at the end of this, says, am I God? Isn't that an interesting question? Am I God? What does that have to do with anything? What Joseph's saying is that he's learned in his life to trust God to turn anything that is evil and meant for for evil, meant for bad, meant to hurt. God can turn it to good. He's seen it over and over again in his life, and he's not going to change his way of living. The things that have formed his life, his formation is not going to change. So when he says, am I God? He's saying, I'm, letting, I'm going to let God take care of all that stuff. My job is to love. Romans chapter 12 has this section that I think is an echo from Joseph's story. Listen to this. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, brothers who traffic him into slavery and then traffic them into slavery. No, no, no. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. We let God take care of all those, the injustice. We're going we're gonna to trust him to avenge. We're going to trust him to help restore and turn evil people with evil intentions into new people, transformed people. The Lord says, I will repay. He goes on to say, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. Like 
They're not going to be <laughs> happy about it. But as you're loving people and doing good to them, maybe just maybe they'll realize that their logic is broken, that their actions are broken. And maybe just maybe this enemy can be turned into a brother or sister, or maybe turned back into a brother or sister again. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's what Joseph did. Commit your life to the best of your ability to live at peace, to overcome evil with good, not more evil. Don't recycle hate, retire it. I want to share a story with you about forgiveness that happened several years ago. And it's a story that um, has really impacted me on the reality of forgiveness. I want to share with you uh, some insights um, that were written in, in a CNN article. This guy named Brant Jean shocked many when he told Amber Geiger that he had, for, he had forgiven her and even embraced her. And he said he didn't want her to go to prison after she had received a sentence in October for killing his own brother. His brother was a 26-year-old accountant. And in September of 2018, Amber Geiger, who was a police officer, went into the wrong apartment she had mistaken as her own. She believed Brant's brother was the intruder. And uh, he was just on his own couch in his shorts, watching TV, eating some vanilla ice cream. And when Geiger entered, she killed him. Brant said that his brother's death made him so angry. His mother testified in October that he had gone from punching walls to not saying much about any of his feelings. Brant himself recalled um, pretty much this entire year, I pretty much hated her, is what he said. But that all changed when he heard her apologize. He said, going through the trial, I just had to hear it once. And that's when like, my heart kind of opened up. He also said, gradually throughout this year, I worked on myself and I understood that this anger inside me, this anger shouldn't be kept inside me. The response to this act of forgiveness caused mixed reactions around the country. Brant's hope that his act of forgiveness would cause something a little different. He, he had this hope um, that people would discard this thing from their minds that certain people are supposed to act a certain way, he said. I want people to have the heart that God has. This may have just been about God and what would God want me to do in this situation without even looking at race, because it was really uh, racially and politically charged in that time. He said that his willingness to forgive Geiger will help him apply that spirit of forgiveness to other parts of his life. I love this quote from him. I usually tell myself, if I could forgive her then, I could forgive anyone for anything. In this season of your life, who is God putting on your heart to restore a relationship with? Who in your family and your friendships do you need to put things right with? Do you need to ask for forgiveness or give forgiveness? Get on the phone, set up a time over coffee to make things right. Build a bridge, come together, make peace with those to whom you are separated. Now, if you're struggling with forgiveness, how many of you out there have ever struggled with forgiveness, like finding 
the ability, the desire to forgive. You know, I have. I want to encourage you to take a moment, if you're struggling with forgiveness, take a moment and write down some of the ways that God has forgiven you in the last few maybe days, maybe the last few months, or maybe the last few years. Write it down how God has forgiven you. It reminds me of Jesus' prayer where he says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Jesus is teaching us to remember that we have been forgiven and that we become forgivers the more we realize that we have been forgiven by God. Your ability to forgive grows with your awareness of how much you have been forgiven and loved. Thanks again for listening with us today. If you have any questions or comments about today's message or would like to contact Whitewater Church, reach out at info at whitewaterchurch.org or click contact in our show notes. And if you'd like to get involved in what Whitewater's doing to bless our communities, you can go to whitewaterchurch.org slash give. Your generosity is love in action. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.